everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is the super awesome Jonathan Strickland. Bebop Baloobop, she's my baby. What brought that on, my friend? Well, before I hit record, you were doing this little head bopping number, and I was oh. thinking, man, it sure is sad that this isn't a video podcast. I mean, I was thinking it sure is sad that it's not a video podcast, too, because we're both looking pretty cute today, I will say. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, on a on a scale of of dead to gorgeous, I think I, I'm hitting a solid cute. <laughs> I mean, same, same. You know, really, I should look at it taking this video and doing a little something something with it at some point so you can maybe. all watch us as we make horrible faces at each other and and maybe we'll someday get together in person and actually do some more of our video mashups that we used to do that yes. launched this I, whole show in the first place i want to do that i think i think a big hurdle to that will be finding a, a camera dude yeah <laughs> and someone who's willing to do the edits as well because uh, that's a skill set I have not developed. I can edit podcasts, but video is a step further than I am uh, capable of doing. Plus, I don't <laughs> even if I did learn, I'm not sure where I would fit that in in my schedule. But I, was, I, I can do some some basic video edits, but I don't have the machines to do anything more than cut up auditions and self tapes. Mm -hmm. So. Well, uh, while Ariel's cutting up in her auditions, we also took some time to <laughs> to to come up with a show today. And we've got some 30 seconds or less <laughs> stories we're going to get to in a minute. But before we do that, we're going to chat a little bit about some stuff we saw that we had been talking about previously. For example, Zootopia Plus. You know, when I talked to when we talked just last week, I think it was about the preview finally being out. I didn't realize that the series was out, too. Uh, you know, I honestly hadn't either. That's that's what I get for rushing through my my geek news sometimes. Yeah. So so I, I, I hop on Disney Plus last night and I see that the Zootopia series is right there. The whole series of shorts, six episodes. And so I think, huh, I could watch these right now. Each video looks like it's about seven minutes long. No, no. The videos are like three minutes long. So more than wow. half the videos are credits. Uh, so oh, uh, I, I I started watching them. And like I said, there are six of them. And they all kind of tie into Zootopia, as in like these are things that are happening while the story told in Zootopia is also unfolding. And I felt they were a real mixed bag, Ariel. Mm. Mm. I, I think I remember you saying there, there were only like two that you liked. There were two that I liked and one that I thought was cute, but it was so predictable that I didn't have any kind of like positive response to it. So the two I liked, one was the story of the, the shrew Godfather, which is told as a parody of really the Godfather part two is is really what it is mm -hmm. a parody of um and that one was cute it was also kind of sweet it was actually a very sweet little story i think that's part of the reason why i liked it because some of the other stories didn't come across as sweet like i felt like they were pushing a little hard to be 
not edgy because they don't go far enough to be edgy, except with with maybe one exception. The the bridesmaid episode, the the one about the Godfather's granddaughter getting married um, uh, or maybe it's his daughter. Anyway, when she's getting married, that one had a pretty twisted ending to it uh, that I actually found kind of disturbing. But the the two that I liked were. Uh, the Godfather one and then the the sloths going to dinner, which, again, was very predictable, but was at least cute. Um, yeah, I mean, you you said before you watched it, you thought the sloths was going to be your favorite. And I said I thought the Godfather was going to be my favorite. So, yeah, well, I think I think honestly, the Godfather one's the better of the two. I just thought the sloths one was charming. It's again, very predictable. Like there's nothing surprising in it. It is cute how they tie each of the episodes kind of into the overall story of Zootopia. Like, like the fact that these things are also happening in the background while that story is playing out. That's kind of cute, but I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Unlike the other thing we wanted to talk about before we got into the news. Yeah. Well, I was real quick before we do, I was just going to ask, do you think that maybe these little shorts are things that they cut from the original Zootopia script? No, no, because they focus too much on, on incidental background characters. So it wouldn't make sense for them to have been part of the original movie because it's not their story, right? It's the story of uh, Mm -hmm. that rabbit and that Fox whose names I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyhow, that didn't quite work. Unlike weird, the Al Yankovic story, which Jonathan and I have both watched now, which was very uh, funny and ridiculous yeah yeah it's uh they did a great job doing a parody of the the cliched rock biopic the the type of movie where they're taking a very liberal take on the quote-unquote true story of a, a band or a personality's rise to fame uh think of things like rocket man or uh bohemian rhapsody right like mm-hmm. these are these are movies that are tied to people who in some cases are still alive or or who were alive at one point but are not really representative of how things really unfolded at least they're not telling the full story and mm-hmm. weird takes that ball and freaking runs with it they do i um i watched it with some friends over the weekend and completely by accident guessed the twist before it happened (laughs) were there were there any standout moments in the film that i mean without spoilers or anything that you really responded to there was i think my favorite bit of it was the entire i guess it was like a couple of scenes or extended scene in the bar where weird al does like his first live performance with like the dive bar the i thought that whole, yeah i thought that whole that whole deal was delightful um i thought the kids were really well cast because it starts off with childhood weird al or childhood al yankovic and like i thought those children were very well cast and did a great job at playing weird al um there was a joke at the end uh, that I didn't care for. I thought it was a little base and I wasn't sure why they were including it. So maybe it's just commentary that went over my head. But uh, for the most part, 
it all landed really well and neither made me laugh or go oh no or the yeah. like what about I, you i love the close I love the song that goes over the closing credits because it's a commentary on the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even pulls out the the fact that by writing an original song for a film, that song can be considered for an Oscar because <laughs> it's an original song written for a movie. And, and it's actually in the lyrics where it talks about the fact that this is Oscar, uh, uh, at least, at least it could qualify for being mm-hmm. nominated for an Oscar, whether it is or not, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I doubt it, but it was funny. And, it, uh, but my favorite scene in the whole movie is the pool party scene. And it's largely because it's just fun seeing actors and comedians standing in for other actors and comedians. And comedians. Like, yes. It was like this giant yeah. where's Waldo of casting. <laughs> yeah. Like emo Phillips playing, uh, uh, who was he? He was, uh, Salvador, Salvador Dali, Dali, I think. Yeah, Salvador yeah. Dali. And we had Conan O'Brien as Andy Warhol. And, you know, um, but you you had actors there standing in for people like Divine, who was known as uh, the the phenomenal performer in several John Waters movies. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, you had the Pee Wee Herman and Gallagher, rest in peace. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was sad. Uh, that was like, and, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, just before the actual Gallagher passes away. Yeah, it was a uh, a fun sequence, though, just to see all these these actors clearly having fun doing over the top impersonations of characters. You know, Elvira is in that sequence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these these are not necessarily characters who get to do anything, but they're there. <laughs> I yeah, I also so they they also have during uh there's an award ceremony in the movie without spoiling anything. There's an award ceremony in the movie. And it's another, it's another one of those moments where there are just all of these actors playing other actors, um, which is hilarious. Uh, but I liked that yeah. scene because uh, Ali Yankovic's wife was in it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, and of course, Weird Al himself shows up in it as a, a record producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a really fun scene with him and Will Forte, where where Will Forte is uh, is is chewing out Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, while the real Weird Al is sitting there and going like, "You might be you're kind of going a little far because he's insulting Weird Al's musicality in front of the <laughs> actual." Like, this Weird is Al. funny because the actual Weird Al is there and he's like, "Oh, can we maybe ease off on this bit?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely delightful. Uh, I. I want to actually watch it again because I bet there's some dumb little stuff that I missed. Um, you should watch it too if you have the Roku channel, which is a bizarre, bizarre channel. I flipped through; it was really weird. <laughs> I so I had not, I didn't even know if I still had an account with Roku or not because I once upon a time had a Roku box that, that I connected to my television, but I haven't used that in like probably six or seven years, maybe. And um, uh, but I just went online to the Roku channel online on the web. So I just use a regular web browser on my computer and I was able to pull it up there and watch it. And I mean, it is a little frustrating because there are ad breaks through the whole thing mm-hmm. and I'm not used to dealing with ads anymore. <laughs> so the, that I found a little off putting, but uh, most of the ads were for Roku products. So I just sat there and watched the same like three ads for Roku sticks and stuff and then got through it eventually. So, uh, yeah, apart from the ad breaks, uh, I really enjoyed the experience. 
Yeah. I mean, I had ads too, uh, because it, it was a free movie on Roku. Uh, they weren't all for Roku products, so they were for other things, but it's because I was watching it on a Roku. All right. So uh, let's do our 30 seconds or less. Okay. And I've got the timer out. This time we actually uh, put in the bare minimum effort. <laughs> <laughs> and sorted the stories so that we can alternate and not have back-to-back 30-second spots. And Ariel, uh, you are up first. Are you ready? Go. All right. So a little while ago, we talked about uh, the fact that there is a True Lies television series coming out. If you're not familiar, it's a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis about this dude who's secretly a spy and his wife doesn't know, his family doesn't know. Well, we're getting a TV show about it uh, on CBS and we finally got the release date. It's February 23rd at 9 p.m. Fun fact, they're filming that in Atlanta. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I really like that movie. I hope the show is super awesome. Done. Ba-bam. Good job. Yeah, you got you got out with a couple of seconds to spare. Yes. All right. Well, well, then uh, here I go. This is going to be quick, so I don't even think I need to hit the timer, but I'm going <laughs> to and go. OK, so last week we talked about how there's going to be a Gears of War live action movie. Well, now we know that there's a person who wants to play the lead and it's Dave Batista which makes sense. He's a mountain of a man and the main character in the video game is a mountain of a man. And I'm sure that Dave Batista could wield a machine gun. That's also a chainsaw and not break a sweat. Done. Oh, you missed the important part. He posted on Twitter about it and like had himself dressed up in like a full costume and like tagged the gears of war people. Um, and, and, uh, a whole, and Netflix and was like, you need to cast me. Uh, we have a GameSpot article on it. There's some shade in there that's uh, kind of funny that we won't go into, but I will post it on our website. Well, and Ariel, I only had 30 seconds. Well, but you could have said that he did like a whole costume deal. That's two seconds worth of thing. Okay, sorry. I will cut my next one extra short. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yes. And go. Okay, so Microsoft Teams has added some classic work uh distractor games to teams solitaire minesweeper icebreakers and something else they're like it's great for people to play together but honestly minesweeper is the game that i played to slack off at work by myself so yeah if you have ms teams you can do that excellent yeah this is a you more than the music's still playing uh you, you more <laughs> than than crush that story I, I i covered this on tech stuff and i mentioned um, i bet the same bosses who are demanding that people come back into the office are going to hate this idea that people could play games through Microsoft Teams, even though Microsoft showed some data that suggests that that teammates who play games together end up being more productive than people who go through your other type of team building exercises, which I can believe because I've had to do team building exercises a few times and it's always a miserable experience because no one wants mm-hmm. to be there. I mean, you know what else makes people more productive? Working from home often. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, that yes. was also well that more than true. 30, well more than 30 seconds in the end. So we got to make it up. We... Well, yeah, but but, you know, it's fine. Yeah. All right, here we go. OK, and I'm going. Hey, you know, Quentin Tarantino, yep. he's going to make a TV series, Ooh. eight episodes. OK, we don't know what it's going to be. It's going to come out at some point. Done. Maybe. All right, next. <laughs> Some of 
those things go away. Hang on. We can't just go next. We can't just go next because the music's going to play for 30 seconds and that was eight seconds. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. Okay. So, yeah. So, so um, what's what's your favorite Quentin Tarantino? Before. Uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite Quentin Tarantino? Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't have one. <laughs> You don't have a favorite Quentin Tarantino project? What? From Dusk to Dawn? Pulp Fiction? I never watched Pulp Reservoir Dogs? Uh, I like Reservoir Dogs until the end. It gets kind of scary at the end. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about tension. Hateful Eight? That was okay. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I didn't watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, Kill Bill Volume 1? I, I guess Kill Bill. I guess Kill Bill. Um, I, Which volume? One. Um, with the crazy yeah, eights. That's the better of the I, two. I fell asleep during Pulp Fiction. I haven't watched it all. Hateful Eight was okay. Wow. Django Unchained was very hard, but okay. Inglorious Bastards was okay. But if I'm going to watch a movie about how bad Nazis are, it's going to be Jojo Rabbit. So, okay. Okay. Uh, I think my favorite. Woof. Um, Wow, what is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? Now that I've said it out loud, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I really like The Hateful Eight a lot. I like it a lot until you get to the third say, act. The third and act. I don't care for it. Dumb, but uh, <laughs> the rest is good. It is. I mean, I get what he's 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 purposefully going over the top with the violence. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I understand what the what he's doing. But yeah, I this 30 seconds or less segment has really totally okay. failed. At this okay. Point. Uh, okay. So next one. Okay. Uh, uh, are we ready? Yeah, go. Okay. So we've gotten the news that they are making a princess diaries three movie princess diaries starred Anne Hathaway as a girl who uh, was a surprise princess, but didn't know it. Cause she was actually kind of geeky in her San Francisco home. I think, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Anyhow, uh, Anne Hathaway is not like, she she I don't even know if she's in talks to come back, but she's totally on board for the third because it will be a continuation of her story, her character story, not like a brand new character story. The end. Good thing, too, because uh, we had just hit 30 seconds. All right. Woo-hoo. Finally, last story. And it's mine. And I am going to hit go now. OK, so you know how Henry Cavill isn't going to do mm-hmm. The Witcher no more because now mm-hmm. he's going to go and be the Superman and he's going to put on the blue tights and the red underwear and he's going to go flying no. around. Well, you might wonder who Superman's main squeeze is going to be. That's Lois Lane. And in the other movies, it was Amy Adams. So you wonder if Amy Adams is coming back. She says no one's asked her. The end. I hope they ask her back. I liked her. Okay, so now into our regular news that might also or also not be 30 seconds. Yeah, some of these are going to be really short anyway, but like we we specifically went through our lineup and said, which of these do we not have that much to say uh, about them? And then and then we went and and then I guess we were wrong. wrong. We didn't know ourselves uh, too well this week. It's yeah. Okay, so uh, the first thing we want to talk about is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, not Pirates of the Caribbean. That's almost as played out as Avatar. Um, <laughs> maybe more so. Sure. But uh, Margot Margot Robbie, Robbie Margot Robbie, was supposed to play or direct star in something like that. She was making a Pirates of the Caribbean movie that wasn't a spinoff. It was going to be its own standalone thing in the Pirates of the Caribbean world, which to me is still kind of a spinoff, but they say it it wasn't going to be a spinoff and it was going to, you know, be a a female starring cast. 
Um, and now, apparently, despite the fact that there are some Pirates of the Caribbean projects in the works, that one isn't, and they're all a little disappointed. Yeah, there was some suspicion that that this was part of uh, the implosion that happened with the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard uh, kerfuffle, which is, mm-hmm. I, I know that's dismissive. I don't mean to be dismissive, but that whole scandal, you know, that, that, that court case played out for everybody, whether you wanted it or not. I remembered distinctly every time I went onto YouTube, YouTube was trying to push videos on me about mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, no, YouTube, I don't, th- this is private family stuff that I don't have any right to know about. So stop. But it kept trying. Anyway, there was some suspicion that this was a casualty of that kind of stuff that the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, IP might need a little scrubbing before it can come back, Uh, which is it's a shame because, first of all, Margot Robbie's a really good actress, Mm -hmm. um, or at least I think so. I think she's pretty talented and I uh, I think she could have had a lot of fun being a pirate. And now the only way we'll ever know if she'd have fun being a pirate is if someone wrote a mashup with her in it as a pirate. I mean, that's a spoiler alert. Oh, goodness, Jonathan. Horn, you gotta. Mm-hmm. I guess you can tell by this which one of us has a mashup and which one of us maybe doesn't um, have a mashup. <laughs> uh, and, and to be fair, I literally wrote my mashup about 10 minutes before. Ariel jumped on the call. So it's not good, but it exists. Listen, now I might, now I might try to come up with something anyhow, uh, but it's not going to be written. It's going to be all like off the dome and that's going to be interesting. Anyhow, um, Jonathan and I have talked about Pixar's elemental um, just completely speculative, speculatively because we didn't have anything other than a little bit of concept art and a description for it until now. Yeah. The, the concept art and description made us both kind of get Zootopia meets inside out vibes. Uh, I'm definitely getting more in uh, Zootopia in this than inside out necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's, it, you can sort of feel the similarities there. The, we got a teaser for elemental and it's a bare minimum teaser. It's kind of cute. Gives you a little sense of the the world that the characters inhabit and the types of characters there are. And it, it shows like a a water subway thing, like a subway like a train that, that well, it's because it's underground, right? Yeah. So uh, the character who's a, a, a ember, she's a fire elemental gets onto the subway and she's walking down the subway, listening to music. And you get to see some of the other elementals, including, you know, air, earth and water. Although I didn't see any other fire elementals on that subway train. She was the only one. I mean, that might be the point. Fire tends to be considered more destructive than those other elements, even though they're all pretty destructive. Interestingly, though, none of the other characters on the train react negatively to her. Yeah. And and she's she's Donald ducking it meaning she's got no pants. She's just flames. She's got (laughs) like this super baller hoodie that I definitely want to own. So they better make some merch off of it. (laughs) Oh, it's Disney. They're going to have so much merch. But yeah, no, it's a pretty nice looking hoodie. Uh, But yeah, she accidentally drops her headphones. And as she's reaching for it, a water elemental is reaching for it. And you find out this is the meeting of Ember, the fire elemental and Wade very cute 
the water elemental mm-hmm. and that there's a, well, I guess there's a fizzle between them literally because a little bit of water falls on her, but there's a spark. Uh, yeah, no, it, it looks cute visually. Um, it's very pretty. It's a, it's a, it is still like a, I think it's a Pixar movie, right? It's still a Pixar like yes, style, is. but it's a little bit more stylistic than regular. Yeah, kind, of, kind of like the characters of Inside Out. I'd say even a little bit more so. This is, um, it almost lends itself, at least Ember does to, and, and some of the, like the Earth Elementals to, to like almost hand-drawn aesthetic a little bit like a watercolor aesthetic mm. a little bit to me i don't know maybe that's just me um visually i found it very pretty uh story wise i'm i i'm worried that it's just gonna be oh that pixar story again i mean it might be i can tell you this the director is the same guy who directed the good dinosaur which is the Pixar movie everyone forgets because it was not a good one. I did not watch it because it just, again, I was like, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. Okay. Well, what's your least favorite Pixar movie? Oh, golly. Um, we should get, like, you should ask me these things in advance. Cause now not only do I have to like go through my emotions for each Pixar movie, I have to remember all of them. So let's see. There's Finding Nemo. There's all of the Toy Stories. There... <laughs> there's Inside A Bug's out. Life. There's, Bugs there's, Life. Cars. there's Cars. There's Inside Out. Um, there's Soul. There's so- I haven't watched Soul yet, but I, I know There's the Onward. I haven't watched Onward yet. I thought that was a Disney animation, not a Pixar. No, that's okay. a Pixar. Um, I'm going to say Toy Story 1. What? That's your least favorite? Maybe Toy Story 2. You 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 think Cars is better than Toy Story one or two? So here's I need a new co-host, y'all. I okay i I liked Cars just because they had a spoof on Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. Oh, <laughs> I like Toy Story. I like Toy oh Story two. Toy gosh. Story three is very emotional for me. But the problem is, is that Toy Story one started off really good, and then. Again, it's like this this that second half of the movie just became a giant chase movie for me. Um it became like homeward bound with toys and it was just um it made me anxious the but, entire but time. Ariel Cars is literally just chasing the whole time. <laughs> Shut it's up. a ra- it's about racing. Okay. It's so just, can I say racing is just chasing but on a professional okay. level. Okay. 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 But okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh gosh i'm so sorry but you gotta listen to me lose my crap um <laughs> i don't remember a whole lot of cars but i specifically remember just being anxious all the way through toy story which maybe means it was a better story but i had a well more anxiety through it so uh, i'll say this what whichever pixar movie you think is the worst one the good dinosaur is worse than that <laughs> okay okay what is so the good dinosaur is your least favorite pixar movie Yes, uh, followed probably pretty closely by Cars 2. I haven't watched Cars 2. Um, um, uh, well, I got problems with Cars 2. Listen, I'm behind on many Disney properties, and I need to catch up, and many Pixar properties, and I need to catch up. <laughs> but 
I that being said, I still like Toy Story and Toy Story 2. I just didn't like it as much as like Finding Nemo or Bugs Life or you know, those things. So Okay. Well, we know you have Disney Plus, so we're just gonna have to sit you down for like two days mm-hmm. to have you start catching up l- on stuff. L- yeah, listen, the first one's gotta be up in Emperor's New Groove, and that's not even Pixar, so You haven't seen up. No. Oh. I don't wanna be depressed for 10 minutes and then watch a mediocre movie it's not a mediocre movie it's actually quite good i've heard up is wait is wally quite good is wally also pixar yes if you're gonna say wally is the worst then no 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 i love this is okay so i love the beginning of wally and then when they get onto the giant ship with all the people i feel like it's no longer fun but the first half of it i love (laughs) So, so. Uh, Ariel also famously thinks that Into the Woods is a great one act. What? And just leaves halfway through. At intermission, she's there just gone. many things that I like the second act of. But yes, the first act of Into the Woods is definitely better. Uh, <laughs> <he's> happy. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on. Because otherwise, otherwise we're just going to be, we're just going to be here all night is what we're going to be. And you'll be listening to us, to me having discoveries about my co-host, someone I have legitimately known for two decades. And I'm learning things now that are really like shaking me to the core. That you never knew before. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Another bringing it back to Into the Woods. All right. Well, uh, children, you'll listen to this. Sony. (laughs) is planning a whole bunch of little spiderlings, uh, spinoffs of Spider-Man. There's a, a plan to create a bunch of live action Spider-Man TV series. Uh, the first being uh, Silk, which is a, a fairly recent entry into the, the Marvel comic books. Technically, she shows up in the first Spider-Man movie, but my guess is that they'll just ignore that. Uh, the, rather, her alter ego shows up in the first Spider-Man movie. But um, they don't really do anything with her. So my guess is they're not going to have uh, that Cindy become silk in this. But the the plan is to have a bunch of these because uh, they're really hoping to, to leverage those Spider-Man properties. Mm-hmm. And they will air on MGM Plus, which I didn't know was a thing. And that's because it used to be Epics. That's the channel that was showing uh, Pennyworth. Yeah, the, the, the Batman Butler origin story. I think they were showing Pennyworth. I think they were showing um, maybe uh, the Evil Dead and like one other one. But yeah, now they're now they're combining into new things. I so I'm very torn because I like Spider-Man characters. Um, there's like a Spider-Man cartoon where he's got like White Tiger and a bunch of other people with him that I I love. It's great, <clears throat> but. I also like it's weird to have a Spider-Verse separate from the MCU, but kind of in the MCU, but not really. And also, like, you can't call them Spiderlings because that turns it from really cool to really gross, Jonathan. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I, you know, I, I just it's how I roll. Really gross is how I roll. By the way, if you don't have MGM Plus or you are like me and you've stopped watching television, <laughs> Uh, it will also come to Amazon Prime. Yeah. So it'll be available for streaming on Amazon Prime at some point after it airs on television. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, I mean, I, I'll I'm curious enough to give them a shot because uh, depending on who they get, 
to run the show, it could be a lot of fun. It also like you got to hit the right tone for it to be a good Spider-Man spinoff for me. Like there needs to be a level of fun to it for me to really get on board. I don't want to see like a super drama heavy bummer of a series. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say I, you know, the Spider-Man movies are good. And the first Venom movie was fun. It wasn't too much of a bummer. It was kind of funny. Um, You know, Morbius, I still haven't watched it and I kind of don't, can't bring myself to suffer through it. But um, I, I hope they give Cindy Moon a better, a better backstory than what the article on AV club says that she has. (laughs) Um, Cause it's just sad. Oh, Right, where she gets bitten by the exact same spider that Peter Parker was bitten by and then is almost immediately like locked away, thrown into solitary confinement. Yeah, yeah. Until somebody comes and tries to eat all of the spider people. Um, (laughs) That's sad. That's a sad life. Sometimes Spider-Man stories are just really depressing, Um, (laughs) like in the comics. Well, yeah, I mean, like, well, in the movies, too, like the ending of the most recent Spider-Man Tom Holland film has a very sad ending. It does. It, it didn't leave me completely Also a hopeless. sad middle. It didn't leave me completely hopeless. Um, but yeah, it, no. it was a little blue. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always got Aunt May. Oh. <sighs> okay, anyhow, you want to cheer up? Let's talk about your new favorite news of the week, which is we're getting a musical coming to Broadway about corn. And, and before we even started, like I had not read this story before we were get, jumping on the call. And I told Ariel, I said, please tell me this isn't about that stupid TikTok thing that I keep hearing about, but haven't seen because I don't have TikTok. I mean, and it's not. It's not. It's not about the apparently cute little kid who likes corn. I mean, who retired? According to TikTok, he retired. He said he retired, but he still loves corn. Um, it's a new video. If you have TikTok, uh, I'm, I will be surprised if you haven't seen it. Um, now, I included this simply because um, there is a, a, a fantastically talented individual that I used to do community theater with. His name is Andrew Duran. And he posted on uh, his social media that he was going to be in this musical most recently before this, at least as far as I know, he was in like a really cool musical that was a jukebox musical called head over heels. Um, and so like, he's super talented. He does amazing work even way back in the day when we were doing little community stuff in Roswell, just always so fantastic and great to be around. And so if you like corn, if you like stories about uh, like rural middle America and, and learning how to get along with people, um, then maybe check it out. Because I know at least one of the people in it is going to be super awesome. Of course, it would help if you told them what the title of the musical was. Because it's not Corn, the musical. No, (laughs) that could be so many things. No, it's called Shocked. Uh, It's by uh, Robert Horn uh, and Shane McAnally and uh, Brandy Clark. (laughs) And it opens in the spring. (laughs) Made me laugh because I know what what pronunciation you were stumbling over there yes and uh it's there there the show is described as a hilarious and audacious farm to fable musical about the one thing americans everywhere can't get enough of corn shucked is the new musical comedy that proves sometimes tearing down a few walls rather than growing them is the only way to preserve our way of life and then later on goes to say uh and of course about corn because the basic thing that unity and acceptance need for survival is a kernel of truth Jonathan Jonathan is so unhappy. 
<laughs> I, 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 and I, I am known for liking puns, but this was a, too much for me. Like I, I told Ariel, I said, I feel like this, this author chose this story just to throw as many corn puns as possible. Do you think when they start the show, this this show that's, that's apparently a love letter to corn that if people come into the theater with bags of popcorn, they just point out at the audience and scream. I mean, I think if it's farm to fable, like I feel like maybe people eat corn in the musical. And so eating popcorn is not going to be the worst thing. It's not like, it's not like it's uh, veggie, veggie tales, children of the corn. Um, <laughs> no, but it's, it's making me think a lot more of war horse now where they have that whole scene where they eat the horse. I haven't watched war horse. I haven't seen it. And now I will no, not. <laughs> nothing like that happens. <laughs> Are you war sure? Horse. Cause you haven't seen it, sir. I mean, okay. As far as I know, nothing. How about I, I should have said Equus. Something way worse happens <laughs> in Equus. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, look, let's talk about something else that you can enjoy. Vodka. No. <laughs> yes. If you've just seen Equus, you may need vodka. Uh, so uh, there is a commercial out for vodka i don't even know the brand because like that was belvedere 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 vodka that stars daniel craig doing uh silly dancing and it's directed by taika watiti and that's about it yeah and uh the very first thing i said was the same thing that everybody else who has seen this commercial and also seen the music video for weapon of choice said which is that it is extremely reminiscent of christopher walken dancing around a hotel in Fat Boy Slim's Weapon of Choice video. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I have friends making up like this whole like extended universe for people who get trapped inside these hotels just dancing. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it also has a cute little bit at the very end where uh the, the you get a reverse shot. So you see Taika Watiti sitting in the director's chair, uh calling cut, and then you get outtakes. At the end of your commercial, you get outtakes from your commercial. Yeah. Yeah. It, honestly, it also kind of reminds me of like the old, was it the BMW that we used to get like the little mini movies about? I mean, there were several commercials that started to push the envelope on things like like length as well as spanning multiple commercials. I remember being completely blown away during the Super Bowl one year when the energizer rabbit made its way through like four or five different commercials throughout the coverage, you know, the Super Bowl commercial breaks and nothing like that had been done before. And it was really kind of fun and innovative these days. It'd be like, you're like, okay, what's the big deal. But at the time it was so different from what you were used to that it uh, really kind of caught your attention. And then from that moment on, I feel like, some brands really pushed hard to go a kind of cinematic route with their ads. Yeah, but, but like back in the early 2000s, BMW had a series called The Hire. Did you ever see that, Jonathan? It, I, I don't watch commercials. It, it was like it was like it starred Clive Owen. And like there was one where he was driving uh, Madonna around. And I think it was her ex-husband who directed that particular short video and like just throwing her all Guy around Ritchie. the car. Yeah, yeah. Directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, and and trying to deliver her to like an award show. And then there was one called uh, Beat the Devil that had James Brown and Gary Oldman as the devil in it. 
like they're actually really interesting little short movies. <laughs> I'll have to see. I mean, man. Well, I feel okay because I don't drive, so you know their ad's not going to work on me. I'll just watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's super. It's they're super old, but it it was like yeah, just like little shorts, <laughs> short actual short movies that were made by a bunch of celebrities and directors that are some of them are pretty pretty interesting. I would I would definitely check it out. But this reminds me of that. I kind of like when I can get some actual interesting story along with my um along with my product uh like my favorite uh product placement in TV shows are the ones where like it's so like it's either blatant or it's subtle cuz you have to do it really well um <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it has to be one or the other right it can't it needs to either be over the top drawing attention to it or it has to be so well integrated that you only really pick up on it if you're really paying attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, like I, I would say the same thing that the, the ads I like are the ones that are, are narrative and entertaining, mm-hmm. except that I often find myself remembering the gist of the ad, but not remembering what the ad was for. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it keeps you from buying a bunch of stuff. So that's not too bad. It's true. I, yeah, I need all the help I can get. Uh, someone else who needs some help. It's David Zaslov. Yes. Yeah. We keep coming back to this and, and Jonathan is still upset, but he continues to tell us all about his thoughts on, um, his new streaming platforms. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he had some more to say about streaming saying that he doesn't really get it because from a business perspective, it is, you know, there's a, there's a no win scenario there because unlike television where you're playing against ad revenue or films where you're, you're counting on box office returns, there's no like direct feedback of revenue when you're creating stuff for streaming. Like you're, what you're doing is you're trying to drive more subscribers to the service, but then once you do that, you know, where do you go? And, and, you can't just keep escalating productions because if you do that, you'll eventually run yourself bankrupt. And he has a point, like there's a legit point to be made there. The problem as I see it is that lots of audiences have sort of migrated over to streaming services. More and more people are either cord cutters or they're cord nevers. They're people who have never had cable and have no plans to get it. And while we've seen people return to movies, it's only a few movies that have really done pretty well at the box office. Like every every headline I see about a, a, a blockbuster hit, the money they're talking about is almost like an order of magnitude less than what we used to see before the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's great. I mean, there are fantastic box offices, but it's it's not comparable to what was before the pandemic hit. And I don't, I don't know, maybe we will eventually build back up to that, but it's hard to say right now. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am, I am going to go see just the second movie since the pandemic tomorrow night. I'm going to go to the movie theater and actually watch a movie. Oh, Wakanda forever. Oddly enough. No, I cannot watch Wakanda forever because my wife is in Pennsylvania and I'm in Georgia. Uh, And if I see it without her, she will divorce me. So what is the second movie you're going to see then? The Menu. Ah, you'll have to let me know how it is because it looks a little scary for me, but it also looks very interesting. Um, 
we've we've talked about it previously on the show. Uh, it is interesting because Zaslov talks about, and I'll post the article, the deadline article on on our webpage, www.largenerdrunkcollider.com, um, because he talks about uh, how like you can get a whole bunch of viewers to watch a show, but then they're gone in two months, you know, when the show's over, which is totally true. That's what I do with my streaming services because there's way too many. Um, and then he's talking about like how they can sell content non-exclusively and maybe create ad light and free services to join their premium tiers, like a Tubi or Pluto um, with their content. So it's just, it's all over the place. And I think, I think like many people, He's just trying to figure out how to make streaming work. But on the plus yeah. side, he does say that DC is a hugely undervalued asset. So that's good for DC lovers. Yeah, he's he's essentially saying that that DC's value has been somewhat squandered with a haphazard approach that kind of at least that's that's what I infer from the way he talks about it. It sounds to me like he feels DC has the potential to be as big a player in the in the TV and film space as Marvel. Mm -hmm. And while we've had some standouts uh, in general, Marvel uh, overall has performed better than DC. If you if you're talking about a film to film kind of, of sequence, as opposed to picking specific titles, right? Because DC has had some specific titles that had that mm -hmm. really performed spectacularly well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with that, too. And, and I, I mean, like, again, Zaslav's a cable guy. He comes from the cable world. That's a world that's that was all about getting on as many different cable providers as possible and getting as many viewers as possible. And so uh, the business made sense to him in that respect. And streaming does not, which on the business side, I totally get it. The problem is that's where the audience is. So you got to figure out a way to make it sustainable. It may very well mean that, you know, in the not too distant future, the productions we get for streaming services will be scaled back a bit. Like they yeah. won't be quite as extravagant and high production value as what we've had. Maybe we'll get to a world where the average quality of a streaming show will be like an old episode of Doctor Who. I mean, that couldn't be, that wouldn't be, oh, for some people, it wouldn't be so bad for me. For other people, they would hate it, like my uh, husband. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the Warner Brothers, HBO Max, Discovery is not the only streaming network that is trying to figure stuff out that's making changes. Uh, Paramount is, uh, Hulu is as well. Paramount is doing two things. One, they're bringing on Walter Hamada, who was heading DC um, over to uh, kind of head up their horror department at the same time that they're doing a bunch of layoffs to the ads department. So it's weird to hear all these streaming services talk about using ads in various ways because they're underperforming right now. Right. Uh, that That's actually true across pretty much all of the internet. I mean, you've, you probably are aware that, Companies all across the internet are having issues. Companies that rely on ad revenue are having problems. So Meta and Facebook and Instagram, they're running into problems. Twitter is running into problems for other reasons, not just because advertisers are are just cutting back on spending, but Twitter has proven itself to be a uh, 
undesirable location for a lot of advertisers at the moment Mm -hmm. that might change in the future, but right now it's too chaotic. Yeah. But generally speaking, it's getting harder to, uh, to conduct a business if you're dependent on ad revenue, because we're in this sort of uncertain economic period that no one knows what to call. Uh, I Mm -hmm. rant about this all the time, (laughs) but the, the fact is it means that there are a lot of companies that are choosing to curb spending and advertising is one of the first things they pull back on. So any company that depends upon advertising as a chief source of revenue is really facing some tough decisions right now including laying off parts of ad departments, because if they're not able to get ads anyway, then what are they paying the people for? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if, if that's the case and they just want to get more subscribers, bringing somebody on who has a good track record with horror movies like Walter Hamada is not a bad decision. Um, No, no, it's not. And I mean, like, it, it, it's interesting to see, the kind of, of, of a merry-go-round effect you get when someone gets the boot from one, (laughs) from one Mm -hmm. big studio, and then they just pop on over to another one, um, gives me hope that if I'm ever fired, some other podcast network will scoop me up. Yes. I, I believe that, but you know, you're, let's talk about happy things. I don't want you to get fired. I just want you to be a wonderful loved asset to everybody in the world, Jonathan, because you are awesome. I'm definitely an ass that. Uh, so a little bit last, uh, last little bit of uh, streaming network news, which is Hulu Live is also trying to keep subscribers. They're doing that by adding some music channels and some other like channels like Hallmark and things like that, um, which is hilarious because uh, my husband and I were just talking about after the Thanksgiving Day Parade getting rid of Hulu Live and downgrading just to Hulu because it's also getting a price increase. It's going up from $70 a month to $75 a month. Basically you're getting cable. You still have, like you're just getting cable through Hulu. It's commercials. It's, it's, you know, some channels. It does include like HBO. Yeah, 75 a month. Holy cow. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's 70 a month right now, but I get, I get a DVR. I get to watch things live as opposed to like regular Hulu where you might have to wait, you know, a little bit after it airs. So um, I especially mm-hmm. like it for the Connors um, and then for like, okay. so you think you can dance and, and stuff like that. There are a few shows, but it's, it's not enough for me to keep it. That's probably more information than any of our listeners needed about me. Hulu live is not bad. If you're looking for a cable alternative that isn't through your internet provider. It, yeah. It's interesting to see them, you know, trying different things in order to, to, add more subscribers. Like I said, like you, you typically with these subscription services, you do see them hit a plateau, right? Where Mm -hmm. they've kind of hit the saturation that the service can manage in whatever market it's in. And that's really where uh, a lot of these services sort of languish because there's an expectation on the stakeholder side to consistently grow and, and to add value and the truth of the matter is you can only grow so much and then you have to figure something else out. The growth strategy isn't enough anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, um, and, and I say this as an actor and someone trying to, to make it in the, uh, you know, entertainment industry and, and trying to tell these stories that are all up in limbo based on how all of these various delivery methods do. It'll be interesting to see how um 
it all evolves. Um, I think the next two stories we have we talk about or we're talking about, we should have put in 30 seconds or less, at least from my end, but maybe you have more to well, say about them. Yeah. Well, I'll just say them really quickly. So we've got a couple of uh, stories about different entertainment entities coming together to create partnerships, collaborations, that kind of thing uh, to bring various types of content to folks. So the first one is Blumhouse Productions, Blumhouse being mostly known for making horror films mm -hmm. of varying degrees of quality. Some of them are very, very good mm -hmm. and a lot of them aren't. And then atomic monster, and they're going to become the Voltron of horror movie studios, as I wrote in our, our little show <laughs> notes. So they're going to combine uh, or partner together to bring some, um, uh, uh, you know, new qualities to horror. And Blumhouse really has been kind of setting setting a a bar mm -hmm. for horror yeah. for better or for worse some like i said some blumhouse i think is really really good uh and some some i don't respond to was blumhouse uh get out yes okay. i believe so which was fantastic yeah well i i also get a24 mixed up with all this but anyway yeah so it's uh i'm i'm encouraged by this because i want to see more horror mm -hmm. i like i like horror a lot and uh in fact i'm always looking for good horror to watch. The problem is I almost always find bad yeah. horror, which can be entertaining in itself, but it's not what I was looking for. Yeah. I really like with this, they are not becoming, they're still keeping the Blumhouse productions and the atomic monster identities and doing their own projects. They're just also working together. So they're, they're like a production mm -hmm. house together with these two products underneath. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the other story we have is that Sony is partnering with Crunchyroll, which is known for bringing anime to audiences online and a Japanese pay TV broadcaster called Wow Wow in order to produce more anime projects. So, again, it's kind of this collaborative effort to to create more material, more content for folks to watch. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that has potential like. In, on the one hand, I don't really care for like mass consolidation mm -hmm. in any field because I feel that you can start to lose some interesting perspectives that way. But on the other, like the, if you get together and do partnerships or whatever in order to to complement one another's strengths, great stuff can come out of it. So I am uh, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I agree with you. I am also not huge into consolidation, although you know, some some things need to be consolidated right now a little bit. So, uh, I mean, sooner or later, Disney will own everything. Yeah, but they'll still own it under like a, a thousand different umbrellas that you'll have to buy separately. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, speaking of Disney owning things, they own Alien and Aliens. Um, uh, Do they? Yeah, well, yes. Yes, they do. Oh, I guess so, because it's 20th century, right? Yeah. It's 20th century way, Fox, and then they bought Fox. Way back okay. when they bought Fox, there was a huge joke about the alien, the, the xenomorph queen being like a Disney princess. Oh, uh, see, this is what I get for jumping off of social media. <laughs> I, I I miss all the good memes. Yeah. Anyhow, so we knew we were getting a an alien TV show in 2023 that has... it. It has nothing to do with like the Whalen Yutani Corporation or, you know, it it it's not like a direct chunk of the stories that have already been told. Um, but now we're also getting a new alien movie. 
Yes, and Fede Alvarez is going to direct it. So that's really pretty much all the information we have. We don't know a whole lot of details, uh, but uh, and if you're wondering who Alvarez is, uh, it, it, it's the director up behind the Evil Dead reboot that mm-hmm. came out back in 2013. The very super duper violent and not at all funny version <laughs> of Evil Dead. Doesn't that like defeat the whole purpose? I mean, the very first Evil Dead wasn't intended to be funny. It just kind of was because of the over over the top approach Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell had to the film. But uh, yeah, it's I actually have not yet watched the 2013 version of Evil Dead. I just understand that it's much more um, gory and intense than the original Evil Dead was. I mean, it would be. Not impossible, but difficult to make Alien more gory and intense than like Alien Covenant was. Like I had to turn that one off. I've watched Alien, Aliens. I've watched Prometheus. I had to turn Alien Covenant off because it was just too upsetting. So it could be done, which I don't think it should be done. We do know that this is going to be a standalone movie and likely not related to the what's happening in the TV show. So. Yeah. So, so what we're getting with alien is our own little micro DC universe. (laughs) I mean, it it, sci-fi is made for anthologies. So like you can pick up an entire book of Asimov and just have a bunch of different stories within the same universe that don't really tie together or maybe a little bit. So it's, it, it's Fair not enough. as bad as DC because like, I couldn't tell you this xenomorph queen from this, that xenomorph queen, uh, you know, whereas like I can tell Superman, Superman's very distinctive. <laughs> yeah. He's the one who has the mother named Martha. Oh, wait, Jonathan. This is... Okay. Uh, we're we got to talk about this next thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> if you like a Christmas story and you want to live in a Christmas story, you can buy the town of a Christmas story, essentially. <laughs> not an entire yeah, town, not, like a not block. Not the whole town. It's like a block. You can't purchase Cleveland, okay? What? <laughs> no, it's, it's... You're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> it's like seven different buildings, and it's a little more than an acre, so these, these are on small plots of land. But it includes several locations that were used as filming locations for the for A Christmas Story, the original film. So the house that Ralphie grew up in is one of them. The bumpers house, the the one that had all the dogs, that that's one of them. Uh, there's a building that currently houses a Christmas story museum mm-hmm. that's part of it. And um, and also a gift shop. So the article of Nerdist says, hey, you even have a way of generating revenue to help pay off this house. Yeah. However, what is not expressly uh uh admitted on the website the listing for this is the price it's one of those where you have to ask and if you have to ask you can't afford it yeah yeah you got to make them an offer it's really interesting because like i would feel obligated to keep the museum and the gift shop running but i don't want to buy i mean i guess it for somebody who likes doing stuff like that but like pardon me uh i don't want to i don't want to buy it just to make more work for myself also like 
let's say you wanted to just live in a like you wanted to live in the Christmas story house because you thought it would be nice. You would have a bazillion people around your home every Christmas and it would you would have no peace. Maybe I'm looking at this. Yeah, that's why that's why I just walk around naked with the curtains open. I mean, Jonathan, eventually you're going to have people complain. Should maybe that's fine. They'll stop coming around the house. (laughs) I don't I don't think your next door neighbors can avoid it. Um. Well, you know, depending on how these houses are are located, I might own the next door neighbor's house. (laughs) That's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Maybe even darker than Sonic Prime, uh, <laughs> which is a new Sonic. Yeah, explain this to me. It's a new cartoon, a new Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon coming to, I think, Netflix. Um, and it's basically Dr. Robotnik or Dr. Egghead, or I don't know what they're calling him in the cartoon, shatters the universe and Sonic gets sent like back into like another universe. And it's kind of like cyberpunky and he's got to restore things. And they say it's dark, but it actually looks pretty cute to me. It's a whole new voice cast. Um, I don't know. It looks fun. If you like Sonic the Hedgehog and you liked the old cartoons, you, you might like this. You should check the trailer out. Gosh, it's everyone is really running with that whole multiverse idea right now, yeah, huh? Yeah. Yep. Next, it's going to be an LNC multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do one where we actually have an episode that's less than an hour long. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're not done yet. Uh-huh. Nope. Because I I wrote a mashup. Yep. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do my mashup now. Do- before I do this mashup. <clears throat> I do want to point out that uh, I plagiarized liberally in this mashup from myself because I once wrote a a comedic little radio play for the Atlanta Radio Theater Company. They still perform it mm-hmm. on occasion, uh, but I wrote it and it's called uh, Christmas on the High Seas. Uh, but I I took some of it, not all of it. I took, but I, I liked a lot of the jokes I made for it. So I took a couple and I put them into this mashup, which combines the Margot Robbie Pirates of the Caribbean uh, canceled project and a Christmas story. So it's called Pirates of the Christmas Story. Awesome. <clears throat> Margot Robbie has a problem. Her Pirates of the Caribbean movie has been canceled. But she's decided that's not going to stop her. She wants to buckle her swash, and by golly, she's going to do it. So Margot does the only sensible thing. She travels to Macy's department store in New York City and gets in a very long line to see the big man himself, Santa Claus. It takes ages, but finally it's her turn. And so she hops up on Santa's lap, and Santa lets out a little oof and says, Aren't you a bit old for this? And Margot says, I reckon I am, mate, but I'm desperate. Ah, says Santa. Throw a little shrimp on the Barbie, ho, ho, ho. Nah, mate, says Margot Robbie. Already been, Barbie. Been there, done that. I want to be a pirate now. Oh, says Santa. Well, uh, so if you see fit to, you know, do the eye twinkle thing and help me out, I sure would appreciate you says Margot Robbie. Well, I'll see what I can do. I see that you've been very good this year. I really liked your performance in Amsterdam, says Santa. Where were you on Rotten Tomatoes, mate? Says Margot Robbie. Then she grins and hops off. See ya, Santa. 
And then Margot Robbie goes to head off to whatever beautiful location she stays in whenever she's in New York City. That night, as she drifts off to sleep, she imagines for a moment that she can smell the faintest hint of salt air and maybe the light scent of coconuts. Also, there's a steel drum band in her bedroom. She wakes up and sees that rather than the magnificent penthouse apartment she was in, she now is in a smallish room and the room is a rockin'. She gets up and realizes she's on a ship and she's wearing a pirate blouse and black leggings and there's assorted pirate gear sitting on a chair near her bed. So she leaps out and gets outfitted with all the pirate gear and she heads up to deck where she sees a crew hard at work swabbing the ship and manning the forecastle and pooping on the deck or whatever oh, it is no. pirates do. Arr, mateys, says Margot Robbie. And in unison, all 117 members of her crew turn to look her in the eye and say, Arr, Captain Margot Robbie. <laughs> a scarred man with a hook for a left hand walks up to her and instinctively she knows him as Mr. Teal, the quartermaster. Report, Mr. Teal, says Margot Robbie. Aye, Captain, says Mr. Teal. The crew are all eager to learn what our next venture be. Ye indicated that today be a very special day. Well, what be the day, asks Margot Robbie. Why, tis December the 24th, Captain, says Mr. Teal. Christmas Eve, I haven't missed it, says Car Captain Margot Robbie. Christmas Eve? says 117 crew members in perfect unison, looking at Marga Orabi with their full attention. Aye, ye lubbers, tis Christmas Eve. Do ye not know the story of Christmas? asks Marga Orabi. And in perfect unison, all 117 crew members slowly shake their heads no. And so Marga Orabi told the pirates the story of Christmas, which they immediately got wrong. But they were so enthusiastic! They swapped stories about what they were going to ask the flying pirate Santa the Claw. They brewed egg grog. They sang songs about a woman named Carol. They decorated the pirate ship, though they quickly discovered that hanging cannonballs in the rigging wasn't a sound idea. And that night, while 118 people slept aboard the ship, a jolly pirate in a big red broadcoat landed. Yo, ho, 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 he said, and he gave gifts to all the good little pirates, of which there were none, because they were pirates. Mm -hmm. So he flew away, but he left behind some coal. The next morning, the pirates were all so excited to have coal. Finally, we can stop burning the rats for warmth, said Mr. Teal. And Margot Robbie, pleased with her crew of cutthroats, sailed off into the seven seas, and that's why she doesn't make movies anymore. The end. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. I'm glad you did the Barbie thing because I was like, she's she's Barbie. Oh, you did that on purpose. Um, okay, so I I have a mashup. <laughs> it's going to be super fast because it's not written down. Um, it not totally dissimilar, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Okay. Uh, so Ralphie, Ralphie from a Christmas Story is getting taken. He really wants like this Red Rider BB musket for Christmas, uh, but he can't get a red rider bb musket for christmas because his parents are, are like no you're gonna shoot your eye out uh but his parents take him to see santa to cheer him up so they can ask for anything else that he wants maybe they can get some ideas because you know they sure are santa's helpers anyhow 
Uh, when they get there, Santa is out sick, and so are all of his elves. And so they had to get like this last minute volunteer who is way too excited, but actually dressed like a, a clown. Um, so Ralphie goes up, and the 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 clown Santa's like, "Hey kid, what you want for Christmas?" And Ralphie goes, "I want a Red Rider BB musket." And the Santa clown goes, "Okay, kid, but you know you're gonna shoot your eye out." And uh, then she kicks uh, Ralphie down the slide. That night, Ralphie goes home sad. And then he hears like a scuttle on the roof. And all of a sudden, out of his chimney appears this Santa clown who steals him because she has uh, ruined her reputation so much in the city that she now has to start a new villain crew on international waters. And so she brings Ralphie to her ship. And sure enough, he does shoot his eye out with his Red Rider BB musket. But he's happy because he got it, what he wanted for Christmas. The end. And next year he gets to ask for an eye patch. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if it's in the budget. Your Santa was Harley Quinn? Yes, who is also Margot Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're the same person, really, is when you get down to it. I mean... Uh, yeah, it's amazing that I resisted. I resisted putting Anya Taylor Joy in my mashup because she's in everything now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was for for something that was extemporaneous was extremely entertaining. Oh, thank you. And uh, and you know, I I sat there and immediately thought that a BB musket would be the most terrifying weapon <laughs> because you have no idea where that thing is going to go. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's the darkest timeline. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, it could have been worse. You could have said a BB blunderbuss and that would have been like weapon of okay. mass destruction. Well, it's the duskiest timeline. OK, uh, if thank you all for listening to this incredibly long episode. If you have ideas of how you think a Christmas story and Pirates of the Caribbean and Marco Robbie should be mashed up, you should definitely write us and tell us. Yes, you can do that on the social medias over at Facebook and Instagram. We are Large Nerdron Collider. Over on Twitter, we are LNC underscore podcast. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh, we might come up with a few additional ways you can contact us in the future if you don't like doing the social medias like Jonathan. Also, if you like the show, please tell your friends, share episodes, rate, review us, all of those wonderful things, because uh, we sure love geeking out with you. Yes, uh, it is. It, it, if nothing else, you will be supporting two friends making time every week, except for next week because it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. to get together and be very, very silly yes. for like an hour. And we definitely appreciate it. So, yeah, we will be taking a break next week because it's Thanksgiving here in the United States mm-hmm. and we'll be in uh, different states of chaos. Yes. <laughs> on on all next week but we'll be back the following week or at least we should be I, I, unless something crazy happens we should be back the following week mm-hmm. uh, and until next time I have been Ariel it's corn Kasten <laughs> I've been Jonathan <laughs> is that corn with a K Strickland <laughs> the large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and Produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.